I feel the power and the purpose and the desire that we all have to be self-fulfilled, to realize what is that thing for us and to set it in motion and to have us just living and breathing it as part of who we are in our lives. And as women, we all deserve that. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Erin. We're best friends, mother and daughter, rural entrepreneurs, and business partners of over two decades. Over 23 years ago, we jumped into the world of entrepreneurship in search of our big purpose. Three years ago, our hard work paid off when we launched an international print magazine, Trailblazer, and business membership. Through these, we have one mission, to empower rural women by helping them build successful businesses, all while cultivating the rural lifestyles they love. So through guest interviews and shows with just the two of us, we'll be chatting about topics like growth mindset, intuition, entrepreneurship, grit, resilience, and so much more. We're going to equip you with the know-how to navigate the sometimes murky waters of entrepreneurship. So whether you're rural, rural-hearted, or intrigued by the rural way of life, get ready to challenge yourself while learning from our experiences and other rural entrepreneurs as we explore the endless opportunities that lie ahead. Together, we can create something extraordinary. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. Where do purpose and passion collide? Does it start with a daydream, an unintentional discovery, or a calling? How do you know that you're doing what you were made to do? This is the opening line from an article entitled A Photo on the Doorstep, written by Brittany Crook of Little Farm on Wall Street. It was in our fall 2023 edition of Trailblazer magazine. Here is a little bit about Brittany. She's a wife, mother, teacher, artisan, flower farmer, and business owner. She started her business, a Little Farm on Wall Street, in January of 2020 on their family farm. She works as a teacher and administrator in a home education program, in addition to being the creative behind all things that grow and are made at Little Farm. Together with her husband, Ryan, who works locally as a paramedic, Brittany homeschools their son and two daughters. On their farm, you'll find an array of animals, including horses, chickens, goats, cats, a llama, and Richard the Great Pyrenees, the official farm mascot. So we loved our conversation with Brittany today. It highlighted the steps that happen to make a dream come true. And so often we think that if we have a dream, we have to know the big plan, A to Z, how it's going to happen. But the truth of the matter is it never really happens that way. It's one step at a time. And her story really highlights, too, the importance of keeping the very seeds of ideas sacred to yourself before sharing them with the world or family or the people that are important in your life that you most love. And so her story is so relatable. You're going to get a lot out of this interview and you're going to be able to reflect back onto your own life and hopefully pursue that next step if you've been having that whisper, that calling, that purpose in your own life. Yeah, so tune in and enjoy Brittany's insight into what brings her dreams about. Brittany, welcome. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me today. We're excited to dive in. And first of all, uh, absolutely Loved your article in our fall issue and coupled with the photos. We wanted to talk to you today because your message is one that so many listeners out there can relate to. But before we dive in, just for our listeners, who are you? So my name is Brittany and I live in central Alberta. I am a wife and a mama. My husband is a paramedic and we homeschool our three kids. My full-time job outside of my business is I'm a home education facilitator, which means I do program planning and assessment with home education students. 
here in the Central Alberta area. And I've been a teacher for 12 years. And we started our business little farm in 2020. So okay. you're still getting your rubber boots dirty <laughs> or diving into the whole thing. What was the path for you to get here? Because in the opening of your article, and Erin, I'm going to get you to read it because I don't have yeah. my glasses. That was one of the intriguing points, how you started off the article, because I think there's a lot of relatability in your path to building the business that you have today. Okay, so I'll read this, okay? So you started off, does it start with a daydream, an unintentional discovery, or a calling? How do you know that you are doing what you were made to do? So and just before we came on here, we talked about that tugging or that calling that most of us have or all of us have and not all of us want to listen to it. How would you describe that feeling? I mean, we see where you are now, but how did it start? What, what was that feeling that got you here? So from the time I was little, I had always had this dream of having this rural life. And I grew up on an acreage. My parents both grew up on farms. And so the background was there. My favorite movie series was Little House on the Prairie. My favorite books were like little homesteading books, even as a kid, and like how to make dip candles, how to start a fire. That was just always who I was in a lot of ways. And the desire for a business really started when I was about 17. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew that something was going to happen. It was going to be there at the right time. It was going to be there. And I'm a strong believer in things happen when they're supposed to. And so I went through high school. I got my teaching degree. I knew that I ultimately wanted to end up working from home, working for myself. And that's there, right? With working from home with facilitating. But it's not my own business. I work for a school board. And so I just, I knew when we bought this farm because there was this, the second home, I was just like, I feel like this is my business, but had no idea what my business would even be. And it feels like it happened backwards, but there's beauty in that because it just all falls into place, not realizing that it was falling into place. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I desired to grow things and make things with my hands. And I've always loved hands-on crafts and making things beautiful and working in the garden, working with flowers. I did some event floristry, starting with our own wedding. <laughs> I wanted to save money on our flowers. So I was like, oh, I can do that. That can't possibly be all that hard. And that's where it started. And I just kept picking up weddings for friends and family. And they're like, are you, are you going to do this? Like, is this going to be what you're going to do? And I was like, oh, no. Who grows flowers? So Alberta, it's zone three. Like, it's so cold. And it's like, we just can't do that. And I found out that flower farming is alive and real in Alberta. And I was like, okay, they actually can do that. Yeah, and that's so cool. And I think, as Erin mentioned at the top of the interview, we often hear stories from women with that calling. When you got the land, was that a pull? Like for where you bought and what you chose and having an extra house on it? Did you think at that time that might be part of your equation or the fulfillment of your dream? Because I want to preface it by saying a lot of times there's stepping stones that we don't realize till we look in hindsight that they were there. So I guess my question is, what could or were some of the stepping stones that even led you to decide not to teach full-time? Connect the dots for yeah. us. <laughs> so I, I worked full-time in the school system for two years, and then we had kids. And we always knew that I wanted to be home with our kids, especially when they're little. And that was just the natural segue into working from home. And that's where that started. With the purchase of our property six years ago, in July, we moved in. 
we found this great property. It was 80 acres, which it's so funny because I'd always had that number in my mind of it's going to be 80 acres. And that's not an easy size to find. It's actually pretty rare. And I don't know why, like that number just resonated with me. And I was like, 80 acres, that's what I want. And it was 80 acres. We hadn't seen anything that size while we had been looking prior to that. And when we went to buy, my husband had changed jobs that year. I was working from home. So the second house is actually what got us this farm, which is the cool thing, because I did a business proposal for it as a rental property and different business opportunities here on the farm, because otherwise (laughs) the bank was like, I don't know if you guys, you know, should be doing this. And it was like, no, we can, because you know, it all works out just fine. And we had the ability to purchase and stuff. But because of the hoops with everything was getting a mortgage, their paperwork on their end wasn't what they wanted to see. And that studio is what got us this farm, which is what really is amazing because it wasn't my business yet. I didn't know what my business was. And here it was like it was just all falling into place. And like you said, the stepping stones, like falling into place of of what they are and had no idea what it was going to be, what this farm was going to be. And it was the piece of the puzzle that we needed uh, for it to all fall together smoothly. And it did. So that speaks so much to timing is everything, isn't it? And what we think might be the right time sometimes isn't. And a lot of times it can be unexpectedly that, okay, the the time is now. And I think what I loved about your article too was you talk about how you had this calling, you, you had this extra house on your property, but then three years passed, right? You were, you had three kids how, what were their ages? So you were busy in this three-year period where that dream or that calling was put on hold. And for you, was it a knowing this just isn't the right time? I'll come back to this when it is. Or were you doing little things in the meantime, taking little steps forward for it? Yeah. It, yeah. It's so interesting like with, with the studio. Had we tried to buy six months sooner or six months later, it would have been fine without it. But it was like the key piece in that time. And yeah, our kids were... Our youngest was four months old when we moved in here. Our oldest was, had just turned four. And so we had, yeah, three kids between the ages of of four months and four years. And I was just completely thrown into that. And there was so much work to be done to the property. Any usable outbuildings were just not in great shape. There was trees were so overgrown. We had no yard, no space for the kids. We hit the ground running and one of the first priorities was getting that other house ready for renters and because it was going to be an easy paycheck with that. And it was part of our business plan was to have renters in there. And I was staining and listening to Brad Paisley. Like I, I vividly remember this evening and it was like a clear voice of this is your business space. And I had no idea what the business was what I wanted to do. Like I'm a very creative person when it comes to all the things that I like. Um, I'm not creative when it comes to painting or drawing, but (laughs) I'm creative in the, like what makes something, you know, beautiful or what I want to present or design or coordinate or an evening I want to, you know, um, curate or any of that type of thing. And so there was no shortage of ideas. My husband would often be like, you need to just focus an idea because you have so many of them and you never finish one before the next one just like spirals off of it. And I was like, yeah, but they're all linked. Like they have segues. Like it makes sense to me. And the passion to like see it happen was there and didn't know what it was. 
But I just had this peace that it was going to happen because it was just like, you know what? Everything else has fallen into place. Find the property, fall into place. What we needed to be here was there. What the peace of just sitting and waiting for the fulfillment of it is there. And it's just, you know, it's going to go clear. It reminds me of uh, Field of Dreams. There's, uh, you get fed the information a little bit at a time. And it's that little voice that, like you said, gave you that message. This is going to be your building or your business place. And yet there was no tangible plan or you hadn't sketched out anything on paper that this is going to be where the business takes shape. Have you always, would you call that intuition? What would you frame that as that voice that was urging you to go forward? So I absolutely love that you use the term field of dreams because you'd said this one other time, actually, in one of the master classes I was doing with you. And I actually went to, to send you a message and say like how impactful that was. Because my thing that I've said for my flower farm, like when I talked to Ryan about it, I'm like, this is my field of dreams. And before I, and so when you said that, it was so cool because it just solidified another piece of that for me. And then here it's coming up again. But yeah, as for like intuition, I'm a Christian and I have strong faith in that we have callings in our lives. And that peace comes with that and pursuing that is what we're called to do. And that's a big part of who I am. But also, I've always been this person that's just had a feeling about things. And I'm either very content with it, like any decision we've ever made with whether it's buying something or doing something or signing up for something. I'm just like, I don't feel good about that. Or I do feel good about that. And Usually it's pretty bang on. So I don't know if we all have that and we need to just listen to it or if that's more prevalent for others than for some, but it's there. And I trust that a lot because I feel like that's a gift that's given to to tune into. I think what you said there was key in that we probably all have it, but we don't listen. If you were to give advice or suggestion to another woman who's really yearning to figure out that purpose or that passion for her, how would you describe to her to get in touch, to be able to listen? Is there anything that you would recommend that she would do? Do you think it's because you're outside a lot or you have quieter time? Or I know you're busy with your kids, but there must be some receptivity within the person to hear that. How would you suggest that to another woman? I would say strip away all of the things like with your identity of your job, who someone says you are, who you are as a mom, who you are as a wife or partner, strip, strip that away. And who are you and what gives you joy? What fuels your fire? What gives life to your soul in what you're doing in, in everything that you do? Yeah, I, you nailed it. I think in order to get clarity and hear that loud and clear, we need presence and we need to gift ourselves the space to listen to that. Because I think that is one part of it is we're all so busy and it's so much easier to not sit down and really hear what is being what we're being called to do. Because sometimes it's scary. It's unknown. I don't know what this looks like. This involves risk. What, what am I going to have to sacrifice? What could mm-hmm. I gain? So I think I so I, what I'm hearing from you is 
you have that confidence and belief in your inner knowing because it's like a muscle that you've used and you're comfortable in that space. But I know that not everyone is like that and not everyone's comfortable sitting down to be present and claiming a space to have that come to life. So I think that's really, I think that's great. Because there's a level of trust in there. And I want to say that you probably through your life have had that trust reaffirmed many times because things have worked out. So what do you think is underneath your intention of your business? Like, how are you wanting to show up in the world through what you do, through what you put out there? There's sure it's not a superficial kind of a thing. What is that for you? The product based side of it is one thing, right? We make our mason jar candles, we grow our flowers. And that's what we do on the exterior. And that's what drives the business currently. But a big part of it is I want to take my experience as a teacher and roll it into this. And that's speaking and teaching, doing hands-on workshops, developing courses, DIY kits. How can I give a piece of what this is to people who may want to try it out in a cost-effective way? Because reality is we live in a time when life is expensive and that confidence to step into doing something that you love is not necessarily easily attainable. If you're driven enough that this is what you want to do, you find a way to do it. But if you just want to test out something new, a new hobby, you can't just necessarily drop $500 on it or $1,000 on it. You may not have that budget, but you still want to learn. And how do we give affordable options for people to jump into this a little bit, see a blip of what it looks like. How do we teach some artisan crafts? How do we teach some entrepreneurial skills that are accessible? And that's a big part of what I want to do. And that's that's what's simmering under the surface of this whole thing. On the exterior, yeah, we're a flower farm and the mason jar, so a candle shop and developing a little bit of a farm store and tourism spot here. But that's what it is on the exterior. There's so much more that I want it to be. That's why I love that question. Yeah. <laughs> and we try and ask that question to everyone who comes on here because what we see on the surface and like the everyday, like the face of the business. And so I, I love that we should all have that opportunity to be able to say the next layers under that. Like here's the why, the passion, yeah. and like that deeper meaning and purpose. Yeah behind how we're expressing ourselves through our business. So I'm really glad you asked that. And I really like the fact that you pulled in that teaching component because so that was your education. You had experience in that. And now you're taking that skill and taking it to another level, workshops and kits and all the rest of that. So that is so much a part of how we define a trailblazer. It's because you're creating a unique opportunity for yourself based on your unique skills and experiences and what that comes together as. So just want to say kudos to you because that it takes courage and bravery, but also it takes a self-awareness to look at what you are and what you've got. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing. So I'm excited to see where it takes you and into the future. Hey guys, Jan and Aaron here. We want to take a second to tell you about Trailblazer, you know, the magazine that inspires the very guests we have on the show. 
So Trailblazer is a quarterly keepsake magazine that celebrates and connects you to the lifestyles and entrepreneurial dreams of resilient, gutsy, rural women across North America. From ranchers, makers, homesteaders, women in egg, and beyond, it really is the perfect companion for those seeking a tangible connection to the rural way of life through the eyes and hearts of rural women. So we believe rural is a mindset. It's a way of living and how we connect to the land, the animals, and the people around us. And our Keepsake magazine is perfect for those wanting to connect to the way of rural through compelling storytelling, immersive design, and the heartfelt writing of rural women who live on the prairies, in the mountains, by the sea, and beyond. Each issue showcases the beauty and the challenges of navigating rural life with a growing business, feature stories, nourishing recipes, valuable life skills, mindset and development tips, plus unique and refreshing perspectives to bring the heart of rural into your home and life. You guys, it's really one of the most beautiful magazines you'll ever get your hands on. And we would love for you to find out more at www.trailblazerco.com and explore the stories that await you beyond the city limits. One thing that mom and I, through the years, when we've had a different business idea or, and it could just be the seed of an idea or put together a full plan and we want to pursue it, is we've always been really careful about who we've shared that idea with, especially in its infancy stage, knowing that it's such a sacred thing to us in that moment. And just knowing that not everyone is going to understand what our idea is. They're not going to be able to see the vision that we see yeah. and feel. And we've always been really protective of that stage of ideas. And so how have you done that? Or if you have done that, because in your article, you talk about, but can you tell that story about you were waiting for the right time to broach the subject with your hubby about, okay, here's what I want to do. But were you feeling nervous, fearful, afraid that he was going to judge you? How did you keep that idea sacred to yourself and knowing when the right time was to broach it? My husband is incredibly supportive and I'm very thankful for that. And he is an absolute jack of all trades. He's been able to help with so many projects, bring so many things to life without the expensive price tag attached. And I'm so thankful for that. But initially when this idea, like to back up, I, I talked about in the article about how in 2019 I dealt with some anxiety, which is not typical for me. I'm a fairly steady person most of the time. And I had a lot of anxiety attacks and it was very I don't even know what it was like, fear over what was going on around me, fear of for taking care of my children and just, I think things that we all go through as women and how do we keep everything together? How do we protect those around us? And we naturally like to have control. I think most of us are like that yeah. <laughs> in some way, shape or form, right? And so that really broke off in the end of 2019. I had to really fight that. As like, I cannot carry this into a new year. That was my New Year's resolution that year. It was like, I don't want to do this again. I don't like this. This isn't a part of who I want to be. I reject this part that's attacking me. I want freedom in this. And so that was something that pushed through and felt like it overcome. And then early January 2020, it was just like everything came together with Little Farm. And it was, Ryan was away at work. He, like I said, he's paramedic. He works shift work. He's gone for several days at a time. And he's very visual. I'm creative. I can have 500 open tabs in my brain. 
of how they all link together. And I don't have to see the pictures, right? Like I can just make all the little rabbit trails from one to the other. And he's like, I need you to write this down or draw this down or give me a picture or something. And so I was like, how do I explain this? And so I actually built my website because I was like, I need to show this. I need to show that this is legitimate. I need to show what are other companies selling their product for, you know, how this could all work out here um, with our studio space. That was my goal. I didn't say that yet because I was like, that's rented out. That's income. He doesn't want to be like, oh, hey, let's kick them out and, you know, have candles in there. And oh, yeah, maybe you sell five a month like that. That wasn't going to fly off the hop. So I just, you know, there's parts that you just keep to yourself um, <laughs> to not scare someone away. Um, so I built the website because I was like, it was free to cancel it within 48 hours. So I was like, he comes home day after tomorrow. I'm still within that window. I'm just going to build it so he can see it. And so I felt, you know, fairly put together in how to present it. And I was like, okay, but I still can't show him what it looks like and where everything goes. Because like I said, I'm not a drawing or painting artist. Like my sketches are terrible. <laughs> it's like trees are circles. <laughs> and uh, so he got home that morning from his shift and we had to head straight out the door because we were doing our daughter's um, birthday party out at the snow hill and so it was like we have to go and so i'm like sitting on this all day and i'm just like oh, i want to say something but it's not the right time and it's like okay i can like you know you feel like you're bursting with this idea and so when we got home we're like driving in and i see this square shaped object on the front step of our porch and i was like that's weird i didn't leave anything here and it was a sunday so it was like no one's gonna have dropped off mail and nobody delivers on a sunday and I get closer and I see it's a picture and I'm like, well, that's a weird thing for someone to leave. And then I look at the picture and it's our farm. And, but then I look closer and I'm like, no, this isn't like, they often fly around, right? And then they come by and want to sell you a picture of your farm. That's how everyone gets those. And I was like, but it's not current. You look at where everything is. That building's not here anymore. That fence line's not here. And then I see an old truck and I was like, that's not ours. And so I opened up the back of the frame and it was like 20 years old. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Who's been sitting on this? And then it appears on my doorstep. And here I am holding a literal map of our farm that I needed to show Ryan of what I wanted to build. And that was just like the coolest thing. Because how do you explain that one? Right? And it was just that this is right. This is the right time yeah okay let's talk about it and so I brought it up and he just sat there and we got the kids to bed and I was like I, you need to wait till the kids are in bed so I can like really share this and we just sat on the couch and I like I need to show you something and I showed him my website and I showed him the picture and just of course I'm bawling because of how everything had come together and he just sat there and looked at me and he smiled and he's like of all the things you've come up with, he's like, this one is good and this one is right. And yeah, you should go for it. It's okay. But he was so behind it. And it was just having come through that anxiety of the previous year. And when you're just in that, you know you want something. And I think so many of us 
fight with that. And it's, you know, you want something, you know what's next, but there's this mountain. And when you can get over it and everything is just peaceful and it all falls into place and it's just right, it's incredible. And if I could wish for anything for anyone, it would be that. It was just, we all have a dream inside of us. And our circumstances really determine how that plays out. And some circumstances are hard to change. And some we're able to take hold of and change. And it's like finding the purpose and the passion. It was just like, I had the I had the passion and I had the purpose, but they weren't together yet. And it was just like, what is it? And when it came together, it was just like, it was incredible. So I, I feel like the story is actually cooler than the business. I feel the power and the purpose and the desire that we all have to be self-fulfilled, to, to realize what is that thing for us and to set it in motion and to have us just living and breathing it as part of who we are in our lives. And as women, we all deserve that. And I think also tying in the fact that you're adding value back into other people's lives. And I think mm -hmm. that when all those things are connected, we just can feel so empowered. For three years now, you've had the business has really been going. So what does that feel like? I mean, you just said you've put everything to bed for the winter, you know, or uh, cleared everything out. But, you know, as you reflect now from that night when you sat there with Ryan to where you are now, how would you describe like how that feels? How do you define that for yourself? And is that what's fueling you to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? So where are things sitting right now? Oh, it depends on the day when you ask. Like with any business, I knew from the time when I was younger and I had this vision. And I've said it to Ryan since through we were dating, through engaged, married, having kids over the last 14 years of we're going to have something and it's going to be successful. And I have just continually spoken that into our lives. And it's like that self-fulfilling prophecy is, no, I'm declaring this in our lives and in our marriage that this is going to come to fruition. And speaking that over my business, because words are powerful. Words have so much meaning and so much life or death in them. And speaking that into our future was a really big thing for me because it was just going through me being in school, him being in school, early in our careers, having babies, you're overwhelmed. And it's just, you know, this is coming and this is going to happen and we're going to do it. And always speaking that in. So that was the precedence being set all along the way. Did not anticipate what the actual starting time of January 2020 would be like because at that point the world was still what it was and I'd gone to markets for years as a shopper and had this whole vision of what to expect. Three months later your vision of what to expect is completely derailed and that was interesting because that's like okay you know what the timing was clear the property was clear the picture was clear so this is just a hiccup and the, not to say that COVID was a blessing in any way, but there were parts of it that there was a silver lining where 
we did these Mother's Day gift bags the very first year because I had no audience. I was just like, okay, I'm going to put this post on my Facebook and be like, I'm doing a candle and a plant for Mother's Day. Hope to sell 20. I, I sold over 100. And it was just like that launching into, okay, you can do this. And there are ways to still do this. And that's just continued. Has our growth been slower because of COVID, recession, economy, all that stuff? I think so. But at the same time, there's beauty in that slow growth because it allows you to really refine who you are, what you are, what makes you tick, who your audience is, what you really want to make happen. Because you have to be wise with how you invest your time and your money when there's not necessarily as much of it. And so that has been a refining process. And I'm just going to take that as a blessing (laughs) and choose to be thankful for it because there are some days where I'm just like this is not worth it and that's totally normal for anyone who's feeling overwhelmed by their business and oh my goodness what is this monster I've created that is normal so it's just you know what don't make any rash decisions in that moment just sit on it for a week it's gonna be better (laughs) and so I'm continually remind myself of that and yeah when I look at the thing as a whole absolutely I see where we started, where we're at. And I'm very appreciative of it. And I'm, I'm proud of how hard we've worked. I see all the little areas that I could have done differently. But at the end of the day, our home and our family is our priority. And it has to complement it. And that is something I've really changed this year. Because you get caught up in that hustle, right? And there is an element of hustle that is necessary with building it. But then it's like, okay, my kids are little, my my family needs me, my friends need me, I need joy. <laughs> it's like, how do you balance the two? And that has been my biggest goal this year is finding that balance. Like, yes, I want to push this forward. Yes, these are my goals. My goals are big. My dreams are big. But it has to be done in the right way so that my family comes first through it all and and my kids aren't like oh mommy's always working i don't want that i want them to have the best of me and me be hustling the background on the things that i need to do and that's really the goal right now is you know take pride in what's happened but what are the things that you need to put in place for longevity because it's not sustainable if it's going to eat you alive and gonna tear right and it doesn't matter how much money you make or how many stories you're in if you're not happy and your home is a wreck is that the best choice for you i don't think so you're, you're speaking to my soul I, I've, I've i'm in the exact same position as you in that when we launched trailblazer we had to hustle and we hustled hard and then we came to a spot where okay We've got a foundation. We don't need to hustle so freaking hard anymore. And that was hard, actually, letting go of that, of how we identified as those workhorses behind our business. And so we've had to pull back. And especially me as a mom, too, I'm in the exact same spot. And I know a lot of listeners are out there, too, in that I see the vision we've got huge dreams, too. However, I cannot sacrifice these 
precious present moments where I need to be available with all my heart and soul as Luca is young and this precious stage of having a young family. And you mentioned balance. I don't know for me if it's a balance, but it's somehow marrying the two priorities and finding a way where it works for me and my family. And I think that's just so relatable. And I'm so glad you shared that because, but it's a constant work in progress of figuring out where the boundaries are and where it's okay to be imperfectly perfect doing all of this. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying too, that you're trying to be mindful of it and just, you know, keep that question mindful. Um, Because nobody starts a business, especially if you're in a rural environment, to be uh, wrapped up and enveloped by it that you can't even enjoy being out on the land or the Aaron said to me, which was a wake up call this summer, like, we got this beautiful yard, but you're in the house at the computer all the time. And it really hit me like, yeah, like we can't sacrifice ourselves for the business. And I think women are used to sacrificing themselves for everything other than themselves. And I appreciate hearing that mindfulness that you bring that back to again and again. And yeah, I think a lot of women are going to relate to what you said about that. It might look different for each of us, but not to lose ourselves in the process. Yeah, I always feel like we're collectively, all of us, rewriting that story. And we're all collectively rewriting a different way to show up for ourselves and our families and have successful businesses and feel fulfilled. I, I think we are all proof of it because we're all learning from each other and we, we all have glimmers of hope to give to each other to say, oh, she's doing it. OK, I must be able to do it, too. Yeah. And to share some tips and tricks on how to do that as well. Yeah. Because somebody might have a suggestion that just is so empowering for you. So yeah. on this subject of business and, and before we wrap up, can you describe to us because social media is so huge. It's such a powerful tool starting out in business. So in terms of social media and how you show up, what is your boundary or your baseline with how you show up on social media and what do you love and hate about it? Social media can be an amazing tool. It can be the most frustrating thing and the most unrealistic thing. And that's the part that I think a lot of us get hung up on is the the window dressing aspect of what social media is, right? When people ask me about having a flower home, they must they're like, oh, it must be just like so beautiful all the time. And it's like there's this whimsical fairy tale around having a, a flower farm. And I was like, it's chickens and manure and weeding, a lot of weeding and a lot of watering. And this it's either too windy and too cold or it's too hot and too dry. It's not the the fairy tale look of what's on Instagram. And this is something that I've felt very strongly and I need to really act on is showing the real more than just the pretty. It's so easy to show the highlights and a fight between I want it to be aesthetically pleasing because that's what's appealing to me and that's what I like to look at. But this isn't a realistic representation of what my life looks like. You give this impression of like you've got it all together. And I remember listening to a podcast and it was talking about glass balls and rubber balls. 
don't know if you've ever heard that you know, podcast where it refers to that. It's just yeah. like yep. the things you can drop and the things you, you can't drop. And it's just, you should see my pile of rubber balls, like the things that I have dropped. It's just like, it's huge. But on on the exterior, people just see the refined and the finished and judge the, their own successes by that. And that's the part of social media that I just really don't like. And it's like, how do you change that? And bring in the real life and the dirty and the gross and the, all the things that are, are the real life behind in the trenches of being a mom and having a farm and all the work that's involved and having a business and keeping your life moving forward. And it's just like we don't, we don't show that part. And so I think as women, we so measure ourselves based on what someone else is doing. And social media is a huge driving force in that. And so I want to show up authentically. But the, the hard part I find with social media is that I just don't always have time or I'm just like, I don't really feel like sharing my entire life. But anytime I show something that is just our life or our family or anything like that, it gets a lot more response. It's okay, people are actually hungry for that authenticity. And I think that's just society as a whole. Like when you talked about the slowing down of hustle culture and people wanting to find what fits my life as opposed to making myself just drive this engine forward. And there's just this general longing. And I think it comes from an exhaustion of trying to do all the things and, and keep up to all the things. And when we're looking at social media and all of the perfection there, that's still being fueled. So it's like, how do we take that back? But still please the algorithm. Like someone please explain the algorithm to me. <laughs> how do you grow a business successfully showing what Instagram wants you to show, but still being true to who, like what you want to show? I'm like, I'm like, someone please come do this for me. I just don't want to. I don't want to grow flowers and make the candles. No, I hear you. It's it's um it's a love hate, isn't it? Like, it? like you said, it's a powerful tool, and yet it can give such a a false representation of our realities as as women running businesses. But I like your honesty, and I think that's relatable too. Okay, our closing question: If you could have dinner with one person, famous or not. Who would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. I have to say, for those that are familiar with biblical characters, I would have to say it's probably Esther. And I don't know if you know the story of Esther. And it was a girl that was placed in the right time for what she was called to do. And I don't know. She's always been a hero for me because she was put in a foreign country and was called to do something that would have like she would have been killed for it. But she stepped out in like, no, this is this was her mountain. And that... It fell into place and she was fine and saved a nation. And it was just like, I think that would be, if I had to ask someone who did something truly terrifying, that would probably be who I would choose. There's so many modern day people too, entrepreneurial teachers and leaders and artisans that have just, they're established and they've got it all together. I would love to have a panel of them. I could just ask all the questions. <laughs> because how do you narrow it down to one? Like you just, you take so much from everyone around you. Well, I think you did pretty good. Yeah. That was a really great one. So, Brittany, just thank you for coming on and being so open and honest. And I know we don't have uh, easy questions around here, but you navigated it quite beautifully. So for our listeners, how can they connect with you, support you, buy from you? What's your website yeah. and where are you on all the platforms? Okay, so on Instagram and Facebook, we're at Little Farm on Wall Street. And our website is www.littlefarmonwallstreet.com. And my email is littlefarmonwallstreet at gmail.com. Everything is kept pretty straightforward. Amazing. Yeah. 
just thank you for coming on. We so enjoyed talking with you. And I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I think your story is just going to hit into a lot of hearts. And I think there'll be a lot of women self-reflecting after they listen to this podcast. So maybe giving credence a little more to that calling that's being whispered into you. Yeah. I hope so. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You did it. You just finished another episode of the Trailblazer podcast. We love bringing you real life stories and know-how from rural women. Head over to our website, www.trailblazerco.com for today's show notes with all the links and special offers from today's sponsors. Want to help us grow? Tag us and screenshot this episode or share your takeaways in the comments over on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. So this is Jan and Erin signing off. See See you you next time, Trailblazers. Trailblazers.